Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. John Adams famously declared that the, the, the real American Revolution had taken place in the hearts and minds of the colonists in the 15 years prior to 1776. So this quote-unquote real revolution is the one that Mercy Ortis Warren fought. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Jonathan House discussing his new article on the propaganda of Mercy Otis Warren. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is sponsored by the Small Battle Series, with two new releases, The Battle of Musgrove's Mill, 1782, by John Buchanan, and The Battle of Harlem Heights, 1776, by David Price. Available now wherever books are sold. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor Jonathan House, and he's discussing the revolutionary propaganda of Mercy Otis Warren. You know, one of the things I love about the American Revolution is that when you read the published materials and you looked at the ideological battleground of the war, it was all hands on deck. Very few people sat this one out if they had any influence at all whatsoever. And Jonathan House's new article on Mercy Otis Warren is a great example of that. She was a remarkable woman with a really astounding outreach. She was an influencer ahead of her time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Jonathan House. Jonathan House, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tell us about your background. So, um, okay, so let's see. Um, I, I spent the first part of my career living abroad and working as a journalist covering politics and economics in Spain and, 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 and some other European countries, most recently for the Wall Street Journal. Um, when I relocated with my family to Washington, D.C. about 10 years ago, I became very interested in American history, uh, especially the period of the American Revolution. Um, I, I, I feel that most people lack of appreciation for the extraordinary nature of the events that led up to the creation of this country that has had a such an outsized impact on the world in the last 200 years. Um, so I, I've written a series, I've researched and written a series of articles on women figures um, of the period for the Journal of the American Revolution and other media outlets. Uh, in, in my day job, um, I, I work as a research editor for a geopolitical risk consulting firm here in, in Washington, D.C., uh, work that, that I feel has given me uh, a different lens and language for thinking and writing about the political struggles in, in this country, past and present. What first drew your interest into this topic? So... As I said, um, I've I've written a a series of articles about women figures of of the revolution. Um, I I feel that um, all too often history is told as stories of great men and great military struggles. And I I, I think that profiling women 
offers a, a, a fresh perspective and a way to explore some of the underlying social, cultural, and political drivers of history. Um, as to why Mercy Otis Warren in particular, I was looking for a figure who could provide a view into the, the mindset of, of uh, the American patriots or, or, or revolutionaries. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's it, it's really interesting that um, um, you know, as 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 late as the early 1760s, um, in 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 Britain's North American colonies, most people were proud, loyal British subjects, um, and at, at that time, anybody advocating for independence would have been considered crazy and, and eccentric. Um, so, so how did things change so much in just 10 or 15 years? Um, uh, Warren's copious writings provide a window in, into this change. And the, the, the more I learned about her, um, I, I also discovered that her writing provided a, a, a very interesting view onto to how the American revolutionaries advanced their cause, um, building support for opposition to and eventually a, a break from Britain. Jonathan, Talk about Mercy Otis Warren's early life. Yeah, so she, she her her early life she she was a fairly typical um, uh, woman from an upper class New New England family. Um, she was born in Barnstable, a, a town on Cape Cod, in 1728. Uh, her, her father. Uh, James Otis Sr. was was a, a wealthy farmer and lawyer who entered politics and won a seat in the Massachusetts House of Representatives. Um, so Mercy, as, as, as a young woman, she, she helped her mother run the household, learned how to deal with servants, um, learned domestic arts such as sewing and needlepoint, very conventional up, up, up to up to that point. Um, however, un unusually for the time, um, uh, Mercy Otis Warren rec uh, received a very uh, rigorous education. Um, it, it, it's true that uh, at, even at that time, there was a high rate of literacy in New England. Also for women, um, society thought that uh, literate women would be better uh, equipped to raise children, so so literacy was valued. But most women didn't really go beyond the basics, you know, learning to to read and, and write, you know, spell their names, that, that type of thing. Um, Warren, however, un, un, unusually for the time, I mean, she she uh, displayed a very keen interest in 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 reading and writing and learning. And so she was allowed to attend the tutoring sessions that her brothers, who were preparing to uh, to attend Harvard College, were uh, were, were attending. And so she, she showed, um, like I said, very, very keen interest. And she was encouraged. Um, uh, the the people around her encouraged her to uh, to develop um, her her interest, her intellect, uh, especially her her brother James. Um, so uh, working with this tutor, she uh, for for many years, she, she studied history and literature spanning from ancient Greece and Rome to uh, literature and, 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 and uh, current events of, of the 18th century. Um, when she was 26 years old, she she married James Warren, a, a friend of her brother, James. And there are a lot of James back then, it seems. Um, and she had uh, five sons in quick succession. Um, early in her marriage, 
Mercy, uh, Mercy, Mercyotis Warren focused on running the household, uh, first at her husband's family farm, and then at a house they bought in Plymouth and caring for, for her children. In her spare time, she wrote poetry. So up, up until that point, pretty, pre- pretty normal. <laughs> what sort of politics did her family have during the lead up to the revolution? Yeah, yeah, so for sure. Um, so so it, it's, uh, what, what I think is interesting is that, um, so she had a very political family, um, but her, her, her story also showed, um, shows how personal experiences sometimes shapes the patriot worldview. Um, so her family um, started to clash in, in the 1750s with British officials, especially with Thomas Hutchinson, um, who at the time was the British appointed lieutenant governor. He would la- later become the governor. And um, Warren's father, uh, James Otis Sr., um, who was in the House of Representatives, uh, he, he uh, sought a couple of other uh, appointments in, in, the, in, in the, the administration there in Massachusetts. And he, um, uh, he, he, was going to, uh, he opted to be on the governor's council, then the chief justice of the superior court. And he, he was frustrated um, in, in both attempts he thought, he wasn't sure, but he thought he saw uh, the, the dark hand of Thomas Hutchinson um, behind these, uh, these setbacks. Um, and from, from there, uh, th- this contributed to uh, a, a sort of a dark hatred that, that the family conceives towards the figure of Hutchinson. Um, they, they viewed these events not only as uh, sort of personal rivalries, personal setbacks, um, but they saw Hutchinson's um, gradual accumulation of more and more power. Um, he had uh, three or four um, different positions, and he was also um, uh, related by marriage to the, the Oliver family that uh, um, also had a, a series of, of high positions in the administration. And so they, they viewed this this was they, they started to uh, have a sense that, that that there was sort of a, a creeping authoritarianism um, happening here in in, in Massachusetts, um, and in, in this their their family was um, what was influenced by the, the ra- some of the radical political ideas that that were bubbling up um, in the colonies. Um, they, they these uh, ideas sort of stem from. The period of the, the the English Civil Wars and the Commonwealth, which was like a, a basically a republic um, that that lasted for a few short years in the mid 1600s in in England, um, and then ideas that these ideas contributed to the Glorious Revolution, and then force uh, forcefully reemerged in the works of opposition political thinkers in the early 1700s, known as the Commonwealth Men. Um, so these were people like. John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon, the the authors of Cato's Letters, um, which were very very influential in in the colonies, um, they, uh, they they viewed people like this viewed the Glorious Revolution, which set new limits on the monarchy in England, um, enshrined Parliament as England's ruling power, which was you know a, a progress towards a more open political system. But they viewed this as insufficient, and they were very um, out, outspoken in their warnings about 
uh, creeping authoritarianism and uh, and corruption and and like I said, th- th- these ideas were very very influential in the colonies. Um, so um, in, in the early in the early 1760s, then um, J- uh, Mercy's brother James um, James Otis Jr. Emerged as a as an early leader of the the anti-British movement in in Massachusetts and and, and in the colonies. Um, in in in, 19, in 1761, he argued the landmark writs of assistance case. So the writs of assistance were uh, a legal instrument that gave customs inspectors broad powers to search any property at any time for smuggled goods. It was like a a carte blanche to to search anything at, at any premises at any, any time. Um, and so in, in a, a famous court case, um, Otis, who was a, a, an up-and-coming Boston lawyer at that time, called them the, the worst instrument of arbitrary power ever found in an English law book. And he essentially rejected the authority of Parliament to impose such legislation on the colonies. And so this is the first time that anybody was was questioning the authority of of, of British Parliament over the colonies. Um, and then a few years later, when British Parliament suddenly and unexpectedly started levying taxes on the colonies, Otis penned some of the most influential critiques of these new measures um, in his uh, 1764 pamphlet, Rights of the British Colonies Asserted and Proved, for example, Otis formulated the first arguments against taxation without representation. So this was sort of the milieu, the, the, the family environment that, that Mercy um, inhabited. Jonathan, how did she find her voice in writing? Yeah, yeah. So, so like I said, um, unusually for the time, she had a, a a, a formal education. Um, she was very well edu- well educated, um, reading, writing, history, literature, um, and and so she uh, she she took up an early interest in in writing. She liked to write poetry. Um, she did this from a very early age. She she wrote poetry that she shared with friends and family, and and she was a a, a, a copious letter writer. Um, like like most people in, in, at that time, I mean, letters were the main um, means of communication. She wrote hundreds of letters, maybe maybe more, <laughs> and and she took great care with the letters that she wrote. Um, there, uh, she she left. Uh, uh, sometimes she wrote multiple drafts of, of the letters, um, and so you know that this was uh, an important an important exercise. Um, and there, the the elevated vocabulary, the the contents, the complex sentence structures, the use of metaphors and other literary devices, um, they they made her her letters very valuable by her by her correspondence the the people she she corresponded with um a, a letter from madame warren was was considered no mean thing um she she also de- uh, developed turns of phrase in her letters that she would later include in some of her works for publication and and in this she, she received much support uh, again and usually for the time from her brother uh, her husband um and and later uh, family friends such as um, such as John Adams. Um, her, her writing was 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 heavily influenced by her studies of classical antiquity, uh, filled with references to ancient and Greek, Roman, 
ancient Greek and Roman figures and themes. And, and, and of course, the political writing was 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 animated by some of the ideas we discussed earlier, um, the, the fears of of corruption, uh, uh, creeping authoritarianism, authoritarianism, um, uh, th- these sort of ideas that were were common in in, in, in radical uh, political writing on 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 both sides of the Atlantic. Um, Warren and, and and other Massachusetts patriots became convinced that there was there was sort of a conspiracy afoot, um, of which Thomas Hutchinson was the most visible figurehead to to strip them of the liberties um, to which they had become accustomed. What sorts of things, Jonathan, did she write about? Well, okay, so she wrote. She was a very prol- prolific writer. Um, her her writing. Um, so she she she, but. What she's primarily known for are the dramatic sketches that she published in the Boston in the Boston in Boston newspapers between 1772 and 1775, satirizing Thomas Hutchinson and other British officials. And and this is is the focus of my article in the Journal of the American Revolution. Um, and then after the war, she went on to write a, a series of historical dramas, um, such as The Ladies of Castile, which explored some of the same themes, um, such as freedom, struggles from oppression. These are things that um, that, that she continued to, to be interested in. Um, she returned to the, sort of the, 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 the current events and the, the, uh, the, the current political fray um, with a 1788 pamphlet arguing against the ratification of the U.S. Constitution. Like other anti-federalists, Warren believed that the new charter proposed, proposed a system of government that was uh, as oppressive as the, as the one the country had just thrown off. Um, then later, she published uh, the first volume of what she herself considered her most important work, um, which was the, uh, the, a three-volume history uh, um, history of the American Revolution called the History of the Rise, Progress, and Termin- Termination of the American Revolution. Um, and though praised by then President Thomas Jefferson, the, wor- the work failed to attract much public interest. And sadly, it prompted a, prompted a rift with her old friend John Adams, who felt it undervalued his achievements. <laughs> he He sent Warren a barrage of critical letters to which she responded spiritedly. Um, they let, later reconciled, but the, ne- the re- relationship never recovered its previous warmth. Jonathan, which of her writings really stood out to you personally? Well, so, like I said, the, the dramatic sketches were her, her most prominent work, and they, um, they, they were really um, groundbreaking, really original um, in, in their use of uh, satire as, as propaganda. She, she created a series of characters with farcical names and put them in situations that established clear parallels to local political developments. The most important of these characters was rapatio, um, which is a play on the words rapacious or rapacity. Um, and rapatio was a villainous political leader um, who represented Thomas Hutchinson. And ba- based on the descriptions, um, readers at the time could immediately I- identify him. And and she put uh, speeches in his mouth about his various devious plans for 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 Massachusetts. Um, 
and so th- this th- this had a, ha- had a bit a big impact. Um, the, the the these dramatic sketches turned Rapatio into a household name in revolutionary Massachusetts. Um, people took to using the term to refer to Hutchinson in their correspondence and the letters they wrote to each other. Um, I, I, I found an, an academic study um, that said that there was a sharp uptick in the use of the words rapacious and rapacity um, by col- colonial newspapers to refer to British policies after these sketches started to appear. Um, so uh, rapacio, in essence, became a sort of 18th century meme. Um, the, 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 uh, the, these works, so that her newspaper sketches, also inspired numerous imita- imitators. Um, in, in, in early 1773, an anonymous author took the two sketches Warren had published up to that point and expanded on them to write a full-length play in pamphlet format. Um, Warren called this a plagiary. Um, a few years later, Jonathan Seawall, um, a prominent loyalist propagandist, adopted the, the, the satirical dra- uh, drama format to ri- ridicule patriot attitudes. And a series of other satirical plays appeared that some scholars have attributed to Warren but others believe are, were more likely the work of, of Warren imitators, uh, given um, numerous stylistic differences and, and the fact that there, there was no reference to them uh, found in, in Warren's papers. Um, and and she, she was very meticulous about uh, keeping, uh, keeping all, all, all of her papers. Um, so, so, so yes, it, 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 we 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 think that they they did uh, in, indeed have a big impact on the the state of public opinion at the time. How does this article help us understand the revolutionary era better? <laughs> well, it certainly helped me to understand better. I mean, I, so um, John Adams famously declared that the 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 real American Revolution had taken place in the hearts and minds of the colonists in the 15 years prior to 1776, which of course is the year of the Declaration of Independence. So this quote unquote real revolution is the one that Mercy Ortis Warren fought um, by, by responding to political developments in the years 1772 to 1775 with pieces ridiculing the roles played by British officials in Massachusetts, Warren helped to polarize attitudes against Britain. Though, though Thomas Paine is probably the most famous of the revolutionary propagandists, his common sense pamphlet advocating for independence was published in early 1776, several months after the skirmishes at Lexington and Concord marked the beginning of the armed phase of the conflict. So it was people like Mercy Otis Warren who did a lot of the preparatory work for that. Um, and then I, I think, you know, for, for, for us today, uh, reading Warren's work helps us to better understand the thinking and, and the slow, steady drip of events that led the British subjects of 13 North American colonies to decide that they no longer wanted to be British, then they wanted to break away. Um, I, I, I think it's, 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 it's also worth remembering that modern, modern scholars estimate that the patriots accounted for less than half the population at the time with those who wished to remain part of Britain or didn't much care one way or the other, constituting a slight majority. 
So Warren's work provides a window into understanding how the patriots led the rest of society along with them and ultimately achieved the separation from Britain. Jonathan House, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for your interest. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.